Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence always living in us. And you, we live, move, have our being. Thank you for your word that is our bread, our life. Thank you for your presence that is our life. Thank you for the gathering of your people. Thank you for what you're doing in our presence and in our midst. And now, Father, we thank you that you are speaking to us and you are giving us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And now we pray that your word will go forth with power and that our understanding will be uh, multiplied in this place today, that we'll understand in new ways and we'll understand uh, with a fresh perspective of what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Apostle Teresa has, been, has done several messages in this season on chosen, and so we wanted to stay uh, in alignment with uh, what she's been teaching us here in the house. And so today... I want to talk to us about chosen and service, chosen and service. And of course, our uh, copyright notification, all scripture references and images in this presentation are used from public domain or by permission and all rights of this presentation are reserved and cannot be used without the permission of Bernard Bolton. All right. So let's get to our foundational scripture from John chapter 15 and verse 16. That's our foundation. We're going to actually be using several uh, passages of scripture as we unlock what it means to be chosen and to be in service. And so from John 15, 16, which I believe is one of the passages that Apostle uh, Teresa used in one of her previous teachings. And in this discourse, uh, which Jesus is speaking with the disciples on the night uh, that he was betrayed and arrested, the night that he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and struggled uh, with embracing and accepting uh, the the will of God. And, and so his words uh, in this discourse in John is very important in the sense of us understanding uh, not just what he was saying, but what was on his heart. And so in John 15, 16, uh, Jesus says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And so that right there kind of breaks up our understanding of, of being chosen or being a choice because we, we were often taught um, that we chose him, that we accepted him that we went after him, but he is saying to us that you didn't choose me, I chose you. Now, of course, we had to respond to his choice, and he would never uh, make us embrace a choice uh, that we did not accept, but he came after us uh, first. And so one of the things when uh, one of the things I do I'm 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 sort of a, a a historian and so I look at my life through the lenses of history and I look at times and seasons and how the Lord has been moving in my life through times and seasons and so uh, from my childhood I can see how the Lord chose me how He really came after me and I was and I've always had a love for the church and I've always 
love going to church and I loved going uh, to Sunday school and in Sunday school back in the 70s uh, in, in, in the 70s we had those those little cards with the biblical characters on there. Anybody remember that? I, I may be I may be the oldest in here, but we would have those in the Sunday school cards and I remember the pictures of Jesus on the little cards and the picture of Moses and and Abraham and 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 he was choosing me. He was actually giving me a heart as a small child. He was giving me a heart for him. And so and so when you look back over your history and you consider the place where you first encountered him, it wasn't that you found him. It was that you was responding to him finding you. You were responding. And so, and it's, and, and it's always better as a child because you don't have the pressures of adulthood. You don't have uh, all of the choices that come with childhood uh, and so as a child, many of us were chosen or we were chased or he went after us until we finally said yes. So, so our choosing is really more about him than it is about us. Now, we're, we're, we're the ben benefactors of him choosing us. But, but we, we must always understand that him choosing us was more about him than it was about us. All right? And so that makes him central in this business of being chosen. We were chosen not to be a favorite even though we all are his favorites. But we were chosen because he had a he had a reasoning that he wanted to manifest in our life. So I want us to look at I want us to look at chosen from the from the uh from the Hebrew word and I want to unlock these Hebrew letters because and and understand that Hebrew is 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 a prophetic language. And so as a prophetic people, you don't have to speak Hebrew. You don't have to be Hebrew, but Hebrew unlocks the, some of the secrets of the kingdom of God. And it reveals to us the heart of God. I actually learned, uh, I was introduced to the, to the Hebrew alphabet in the school of the scribe in February of, uh, of 2013, more than 10 years ago. And, um, and it, it was one of the things that happened. So I'm, I'm talking a lot about myself because I want to give you all the context because a lot of times we're, we're finding ourselves in new places and we need to understand that even though it's a new place, that the Lord had been doing that in your life. You just wasn't aware of it. One of the, one of the people that I'm, I'm currently working with uh, as, a, as a coach slash mentor uh, I heard the Lord said that that the reason why she's ready now and she's responding to the changes in her life is because she is becoming aware of what I've been doing, even though I've been doing this for 30 years. So for many of us, the Lord has been doing things. Jesus has been moving for decades in your life. He's been moving for, for years, generations in your life. But it is only when you become aware, when your eyes, the eyes of your understanding become open, that everything becomes clear and clear and clear. And so when I went through this, this course in the school of the scribe on the alphabet or the Hebrew alphabet, um, as a child in my neighborhood, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and there was a, there was a, a Jewish synagogue in my neighborhood. And, and uh, I used to walk to that synagogue and I used to just love to go into the synagogue and look at, and look at all of the, the, the different 
furniture in there. I would look at the structure of the building. It was a very large building. And at certain times, they, they left it open for the public. Not understanding, because uh, I got scared for a minute, and I said, I wonder, is the Lord, you know, making me a Jew? Am I going to have to lead a Baptist and become a Jew? But I was drawn toward the Jewish religion. And it was only when I came to the school of the scribe 30-something years later and the Lord said to me that this is your heritage. And I began to understand he was familiarizing me with the, with the Jewish faith and the Jewish people, not that he was making me Jewish, but he was adding something to my heritage and to my history. And so, and so this, is, this is what the Alabed is, y'all. This is, our, this is our heritage, spiritual heritage. And if we have an understanding of the Hebrew, remember the word Hebrew means he who goes beyond or he who crosses over. And so we are a crossing over people. Is that right? We are people who Jesus is calling to go beyond. We are a going beyond. Abram was called the Hebrew because he came from across the river. They had never seen anybody like him. And that's, and that's who we are in Jesus, in, in, in this new covenant. We are people going beyond. Don't, don't, let the, don't let the mess in our society keep us from going beyond. Don't get caught up in the problems of, of this current world, even though there are many. Keep us from going beyond. We are crossing over. So this word chosen, the Hebrew word barah, and I want to I want to look at these three uh, Hebrew alphabets. The in Hebrew alphabet, it it uh, you know it it starts it it, it starts on the. Um, it's not like our English. That, that's all I'm gonna say. It's not like English, all right. And so the first letter is the is is in a different place, and that first letter is the bet, and bet is the letter for the sun. Okay, the letter in the middle is the letter hey hey is the letter for revelation the last letter is resh that's the letter for the head or the mind so this word chosen when jesus says i chose you what jesus is unlocking to us is that we are sons we have been chosen to be sons that's our identity that has nothing to do with, with masculine versus feminine. That's the spirit. In the spirit, we are all sons. We are sons, and we are being made into a house. And uh, in Hebrew, it talks about how the house of Jesus is greater than the house of Moses. We are the house that's being made. That's why we are only better when we are, we are a community. Because a house has many rooms. Every one of us is a, is a room in the house. But what, what makes us powerful is that we are a house connected. We are a house together. We are being put together as a house. So the house has to have order and the house has to have attractiveness and and you know if if you don't if you don't like your house you're not going to want to be there. Is that right? <laughs> if you don't like your house. I don't know if I should say this but I'm going to say it. I work in a townhouse. I work in a townhouse and and people live there. And there's this guy who sits outside for hours every day. And I'm thinking that the reason why he stays outside sitting on the back of his truck is because he don't like the woman <laughs> who is in the house. <laughs> and so he stays out there sometimes up until night. I'm driving through doing my patrol 
and he's just sitting there. Him and his buddies are just sitting there. And, I mean, it's been like 99 degrees in the last two weeks, and he's sitting on that truck because that's, that's his house. If you you got you to gotta like the house where you're at. You, you got to love the place where you're at. So, so Jesus is working on us to become a house so that, so that we will love being together. As the people of God, we should love being together. We should love one another. We should, matter of fact, I'm going I'm to go as far to say we should like one another. We ought not just love one another, but we ought to like one another because we want to be a house. As sons, we want to be the, a house. As sons, let's go to the next one. All right. As sons, Jesus is the son. All right. Let's, let's look uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Because we know, we know Jesus came to die for our sins and to bring uh, to open the way for man to connect with God, and he came to reconcile man with God. But <clears throat> but Jesus had many purposes. There are many things that Jesus came to accomplish. One of the things is recorded in Hebrews 2.10, where it says, For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, and by him are all things in bringing many sons to glory. And so one of the reasons why Jesus came as the son, the begotten son, the only son, the son of God, he came to bring many sons into glory. That's what he's doing with us. We are the sons that he is bringing to glory. He is, he is populating his house with sons. And so, as sons, not only are we being brought into the house, not only is son our identity, and not only is sons uh, being brought together, and we are the house. I believe Paul says that we are living stones together. But then, as sons, we are being revealed. As sons, we're being revealed. Now, in, in Romans in Romans 8, uh, 19, Romans 8, 19. All right. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now that verse has been used, uh, you know, in an eschatology sense, it's been used that the earth is waiting for the sons to be manifest, that's going to happen at the end time. But that's not how I see that. And that's not how I see that. I, I really see this passage as speaking to us being revealed now. Because verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which is being revealed in us. And so, and so, the revealing of the sons happens when we suffer in the present. One of the purposes, and God is not the author of our suffering, but God can use our suffering. He, he does not send us suffering. He does not. Sometimes suffering comes because of people in our lives, and sometimes suffering comes because of the consequences of our own actions. Sometimes suffering comes because of the of the uh, of the activities of the government that we are a part of, or sufferings come because of the of the way the nation is going. All right, but God can use your suffering. And it is your suffering in the present. So if you're suffering now, I'm not trying to spiritualize your sufferings because suffering hurts. And, you know, we, we avoid, we try, we try to avoid it. I try to avoid suffering. So if I see a person coming into my life that's going to cause me 
to suffer, you got to go. <laughs> I ain't one of them. Well, you can come on in, disrupt my life, be chaotic, you know, just mistreat me, treat me like nothing, and I'm just going to pray and ask the Lord to change. No, I don't do that no more. <laughs> if, if you're causing suffering, you got to go. Go somewhere else. I'm not sending you to nobody else's house, but you got to get out this house. But, but our suffering in the present, what, what, what we are going through now, and I want to I want to comfort someone because uh, the the Lord gave me this word. This this is the word of comfort because because many of us are suffering. You're you're either suffering physically, you're suffering emotionally. Many of us are suffering financially because there is a worldwide desolation that's coming forth in the earth. And even though we are the people of God and God is creating a Goshen for us. Goshen is not automatic. We got to find our place in Goshen. Goshen was the place where Israel lived. And so when the, when the plague fell on Egypt, Goshen was protected. And, and uh, earlier this year, the Lord gave me a dream. And the, in the dream, uh, the Lord says that I'm bringing, not, not I'm bringing, but he said there is a desolation coming on the earth, but what I'm going to do for my people is I'm creating a Goshen. And if you find your Goshen, even though you're dealing with desolation, you're going, you're going to prosper and be abundant in the midst of desolation. But the fact is, many of us are, are suffering financially. Some of us are suffering relationally. Some of us are suffering spiritually because of the because of the things we've been taught and and the people who have betrayed us and hurt us so whatever suffering you're going through i I want you to get this because uh dr k talked about how we respond to life and last last week and how you respond to your suffering is going to bring forth the glory of god and so the glory of God is really your response to what you're going through. The presence of Jesus in you is being awakened by the suffering. Now I'm not telling I'm not telling you to love it. I'm not telling you to love it. I'm not telling you to, you know, all I'm saying is accept it. Get out of it if you can. Deal with it if you can. End it if you can. But understand that your response to suffering is what awakens the glory in you. And when the glory of Jesus is being awakened in you in the midst of your suffering. Let me tell you all a story one time. I, was, uh, I, I, I lived in Danville, Virginia. And so it was in the wintertime. And I, I went down a side street. And the spirit told me, don't go down that street. And I did. I, I, you know, because I was new in the prophetic, so I wasn't listening to him then as much as I do now. And so I went down the street, and I hit my brake, and the whole street was ice. And when I touched my brake, the car took off. And it, it hit a wall. It was an old building uh, I mean, a, a 19th century wall. Them, them some walls, y'all. <laughs> and I couldn't stop my car. And so I'm trying to stop the car. It's up against the wall, sliding. And finally, I hit a curb. And that curb stopped the car. So the car is total messed up. And I had it towed to the shop. And, uh... You know, the guy told me the damages and all of that. And I was, and I just had a peace on me. It, it, it was incredible. I just had this peace on me and I thanked him and I, and he said they were going to start working on it. And they would have to order all the, the, uh, they were going to have to order all these parts and stuff to put it back together. The car stayed in the shop 23 days. And so 
I left the shop, and one of the deacons from the church went to the shop to see if I was still there. And so when he got there, he was talking to the mechanic, and he told the mechanic, that, that's my pastor. And so the mechanic said, oh, that explains why he was so calm. But most people be crying and cussing when they hear about all of the damage and the cost. But I was calm because the glory of God was being revealed in me. And then I had, I had excellent insurance. <laughs> so the glory of God was manifesting in my insurance. And I knew the insurance, after I paid the deductible, the insurance was going to cover that 23 days of damage. I got, a, I got a car, a rental car, and I mean, I was living in ease. But, it was, but to the mechanic, he said he saw the glory, and it, it had a response to him because he said, I've never seen anybody that calm before. I've never seen nobody that put together. And, and, and so that explains why he was different. He thought it's because I was a pastor, you know, but I had great insurance. And so I could be at peace, right? The glory of God was in the insurance. Verse 21, let me move on. Verse 21. Verse 21 says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, when the glory is released through our suffering and we are freed from the suffering, we are freed because, because of our response, then the earth is free. Now, I'm not a scientist, I know, so I can't really explain this. But listen, the earth responds to, what, to how we respond because we are created from the earth. We came from the earth. So there is this, this, this natural uh, link to the earth, and the earth is freed when the children of God walk in their liberty, walk in their freedom, and walk in the glory. So that's, that's, our, that's our way of dealing with the earth. And the earth deals with us. Now, again, that could be eschatological. That could be end times eschatology. Uh, but I think it speaks to how we as sons, how the glory of God is being revealed in us and how the earth is impacted by that glory. And then thirdly, we are chosen to have the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ, the head, uh, the head. When, 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 uh, when Deuteronomy 28 says you are the head, it's talking to Israel, you are the head. Really what it's saying is that what this, how this translates to us in the new covenant is that we are the head because of our mind. Having, having the mind, having, having the mind of Christ, which is not automatic. It's, it's not automatic. We receive the mind of Christ as our human minds are being renewed, Romans 12, 2. The renewing of our mind is a constant change, which is the mind of Christ always changing within us. And so when we have the mind of Christ, it is ultimately uh, we have the potential to have the mind of Christ because we are sons. And then it is through the revealing as sons that we receive the mind of Christ. So with the mind of Christ, the more we know Jesus, the more we know Jesus, and the more we know about him, the more that we know about us. And we begin to see ourselves in new ways. We begin to see ourselves. Our understanding is enlarged because this is, the mind that the Lord is giving us. So the Lord is not only giving us identity, he's giving us a mind. So one of the ways you know you have the mind of Christ is when you begin to think about yourself in a different way. You start to see yourself in a, in a different way. You're, you're breaking out of what you've been told about yourself. 
and you're coming into this mind of Christ where now you know more about yourself. You know more about your purpose, which answers the question why you were born and why you are alive in 2023. Millions of people died during the pandemic, but you're still alive. The mind of Christ informs us, and with the mind of Christ, his thoughts become our thoughts, his emotions become our emotions. We love the things he loves. We hate the things that he lo- that he hates, and he never hates people. He doesn't hate people. He hates things. He hates systems and structures that uh, that that keep people in bondage and keep people in ignorance. And so our emotions are touched by him. One of the one of the reasons why our emotions need to be touched by him because. We are living in dangerous times, and we need to feel what he's feeling. His will becomes our will. This, is, this was the, probably the greatest expression uh, of, of the, the mind of Christ when in the garden he said, not my will, but your will be done. Because it's no longer my will. Now, it doesn't mean that your will is unimportant. It just simply means that his will becomes your will. So then, so not, so then Jesus says, Jesus says, I, I chose you to go. I chose you to go. Going back to uh, John 15. I chose you to go. That word, that word go means to live, move, and be. <clears throat> I chose you to go. This is, this is what serving the Lord looks like. Thankfully, we have been, we who have, we who have received the, the revelation of the apostolic and the prophetic, we now understand that it's not, it's, it's not going to church. We understand that there, there is still a purpose for community coming together as we do every Saturday. There's a purpose for our community, but it is, not, it is not in our coming to the place, going to the place that's going to that's make us. It is when we leave the place. It is, it is when we leave the conservatory. It's, it's what we're doing. In terms of ministry, it's what we're doing in the marketplace. It's, it's what we're doing in the earth. I, I chose you, Jesus says, to go. I chose you to go. I chose you to go. And so that, that, that going, all right, that going means I chose you to live. He wants you to live. He wants he wants you to be in movement or to be in motion. He wants you to just simply be. This is this is what serving the Lord looks like. And then he said, I chose you to bring forth fruit in your going. I want you to bring forth fruit. The Lord used the word bring forth three times in, in, in creation as he was creating the heavens and earth during the, the first seven days in Genesis 1. He used that word bring forth. It bring forth. Bring forth means to live, to love, and to possess. All right? So when the Lord says, I want you to bring forth, he's saying, I want you to live. But I want your life to be a testimony of you being my son. I want, I want your life. I, I'm, I'm not just about you living religiously. I'm not just about, and there were times in former seasons we believed that in order to be favored by God, we had to be in church every time the doors opened. I used to feel sorry for the holiness Pentecostal people because they were going to week. In Baptist, we only had two days, you know. But 
but still two days, you know, two days or so long, Sunday, Sunday school, Sunday school, all day, morning worship, BTU, BYU, BYOP. Then you had to have dinner in between. If you had two services, you had to have dinner, and you had to, you had to buy the dinner. You, they, they wasn't doing free food back then, so you had to pay for the food. So if you had a family, my mama had four kids. You had to buy. You had to pay for five people, and we'd be in church from sun, from sun up to sundown, up until night. But we only had Sunday. We were Baptists. Y'all holiness people. Y'all. I mean, what can you do on Monday in church? I don't know. <laughs> what can you do? You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, th- Thursday, Friday, 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 Devil's Night. So y'all got to. I guess you got to go to church on Friday to keep them out the clubs, huh? And a lot of people that were going to the Baptist church, they would hit the club Saturday. <laughs> They'd be at church on Sunday, hungover, singing in the choir, praying, praying, you know. But they would be there on Sunday, and then some, there'd be a, a, the faithful few on Wednesday for prayer meeting and Bible study. And we believe that it was going to church that gained favor with God. But the going that Jesus said, when Jesus said go, he was talking about, he was talking about going to live. That means everywhere you go, you're supposed to be living with intention, living with purpose, you know, living, living as Living as a son, living, it doesn't, and it doesn't mean you got to tell everybody, you know, I'm saved, you know, let them see it before you say it. Let them, let them see it. I, I like being undercover and it's not, it's not that I'm ashamed. I'm not ashamed of Jesus, but I like people discovering him before they discover me, but you know, I I love how people say there's something different about you. What is it? And then I can communicate him. So we are we we are called to live. Then we're called to love. 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 You know, get get some love in your heart. Get some love in your heart. Get his love in your heart. Love people. Love people. Just love people. Ask him to give you love for people because loving is how we go. And it's, it's so much hate. It's easy to hate. It's easy, you know, it's easy to be nasty. It's easy to be uh, unfriendly. It, it's, but, but, but the Lord wants us to love. He wants he wants us to have love for people. How how can I how can I love people? How can I love them? Because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. His love, he puts his love in us for us to communicate. And then the Lord wants you to possess. We are all called to steward, to manage, to direct. There's something that you have been given. Number first of all, don't minimize what you've been given. Don't minimize your, your, your ministry. You may not be called to vocational ministry, but we are all ministers. I'm, I was, uh, <clears throat> Apostle Teresa helped me to get the revelation of that because I've been in vocational ministry uh, six months from 40 years now. And, um, and I've, I've been a pastor. I've been an evangelist. I've been a teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm an apostle. And so I've seen a lot of, a lot of different spheres of being in ministry, but, but I've always believed, I just couldn't put it in words that we are all ministers. And so we're not all vocational ministers, but we are all called to minister to each other. And so the ministry in the house is how we encourage one another. So we prophesy, we pray. All right. We, we, release our gifts. We manifest our gifts for the benefit of one another. Don't, don't despise because you're not in a pulpit or you're not, 
you don't have a microphone or you don't have the first place or you're not the apostle. Don't despise your gift. Don't, you have been given something. Manage it well. Manage it well. Ask the Lord for opportunities to release your gift. Ask the Lord to give you the, the, the gift of the gift of, of praying in tongues or speaking in tongues or interpretation. Ask the Lord to give you the ability to prophesy. We all may prophesy. We all can prophesy. Now, I know prophecy can get a little crazy. Thank God in the conservatory, we are very, you know, we are, we are very, uh, you know, we, we are free to prophesy, but we ain't free to be crazy with it. There was a there was a, there was a moment there where I almost quit prophecy. I'm glad I didn't. But there was a moment because it was just it was so carnal and it was so humanistic and it was so it it was just it, there was there was nothing in it. But we all may, may prophesy. We all need to hear God for for one another. We all need to speak what the Lord is saying. And so when so when the Lord says to bring forth fruit, to possess, all right? Fruit is the evidence of the life within us. It is the manifestation of Jesus who chose us to bear fruit. So we don't, we don't produce the fruit. We don't make the fruit. We just simply bear it. He's producing it because he is the life within us. So then Psalms 1-3 says, and, 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 and he, you, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who brings forth fruit in his season. And I just believe that every season there is, an, there, there is fruit that we're supposed to be bringing. His leaf shall not wither because the fruit and whatever, whatever you do will prosper. This is what the Lord means when he says, bear fruit. All right, now, let's, let me wrap this up. And he says, your fruit shall remain. All right, now, we know in the natural, fruit doesn't live forever. It is not eternal. Fruit, it, it has to be eaten or it is going to become rotten, which, which means it's going to die. But there is a fruit that remains. It remains because it is connected to the life within us. So as we are going and the life of Jesus is within us and that he is the life that is producing the fruit and the fruit is the manifestation of his life in us. So what people are seeing is they are seeing the life within us. And it remains because it, it, the fruit is connected. It remains. It endures. It, it continues because of the life that is connected. Now, fruit dies because it becomes, fruit dies when it becomes disconnected from the vine that's giving it life. Your fruit is your service. It's your ministry. Your, your fruit, it's your life in service. And so while you're doing what it is you're called to do, ministry in the house, vocational ministry, uh, uh, serving, because serving is not just limited to ministry, but even you who are in the marketplace, you in business, you, you should be serving. You, you should be serving. That's why people buy from you, because you give them an excellent experience, and you're there to help them. You're not there to use them. <clears throat> See, a lot of people in the marketplace, they are users, just like they are in the church. <laughs> a lot of people are users, but when you are a servant and the life of God is within you, then you, you're, you're still serving. You're just serving in a different sphere. Don't, and don't confuse the two. One of the things that I do as a coach, I'm a, I'm a ministry and marketplace coach, and I'm helping ministers kind of learn the difference between marketplace and ministry because the reason why many of us 
uh, many ministries have been corrupted is because they are doing their ministry like they do marketplace. All right. You can't sell in ministry. You, you got to give. Now, if people give, that's a blessing. If people give in response to what you give, but you can't go with an expectation of selling. You want to sell something, go to the marketplace. Get you a Facebook page, a website. Get you a YouTube channel and tell people that you're selling. Don't be trying to hustle them because if you're, if you're doing the marketplace in the name of the apostle, then eventually you're corrupting your gift and you're bringing confusion to the people. And so there has to be, there has to be a difference. The, the Lord says, I'm raising up, I'm raising up those who are in ministry in the marketplace because, because for centuries now, we've been told that, you know, if you're in the marketplace, you got to leave the marketplace and go into ministry and then suffer, you know, you know, go broke, be happy being broke. Don't, don't expect the, don't expect no money. Just, just serve and be in ministry and pastor and don't, you know, don't expect, don't ask for no raises. And so as a result of that, we, we have, you know, many of us, even if you didn't take a vow of poverty, you, you, you embrace a lifestyle of poverty by going into ministry. But the Lord is giving us an understanding now that we can do both. We can do ministry because we are called to it. We can do marketplace because we have enough intelligence and we have enough wisdom to create products that people want. All right, that, that people want. And so there's a difference. So, so be a servant. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. When you become disconnected, when you become disconnected, it is, it is, the fruit begins to die. It's not remaining. It's dying. It is losing its life. Why? Because it is disconnected from the vine. <clears throat> now, because I'm a, I'm a church historian, I've been looking, I've been looking at the church. Really, I've, I've looked at the church in America over the last four centuries now. But, but for the context of the, the, the contemporary church, I've been paying attention to the revivals and movements of God from the 90s. Why the, the 90s? Because I, I entered into the pastorate and really entered into full-time ministry in the 90s. And so in the 90s, there were several, there were several revivals that broke out in the church. There was the Brownsville Revival. Some of y'all may not know anything about that. There was the Toronto Blessing. And then among African Americans, among us, there was the Full Gospel Baptist Fellowship. Now, they don't call that a revival because it looks more like a denomination, but it was a revival because what happened in full gospel is that a lot of Baptists came into an understanding that we can speak in tongues. And our women can be in ministry and women can be pastors. And that was a, that was a move of revival. And in, in its, and in its early days, there would be up to 50,000 people in their annual meetings. And so these three revivals broke out in the 90s. The 90s really was the, the decade of revivals. But revivals never last. You know what I, what I learned in history? The reason why revivals don't last is because when revivals start, it is connected to the vine. It is the Lord who is doing it. The Lord who is moving through his servants. He's moving through the, through the church and people are getting saved and people are getting healed and, and people are coming into new understanding about God and revelation. And then the revival always ends. There's no revival that's ever lasted more than five years. Even the full gospel uh, lasted for about 20 years before it started dying. And do you know why it dies? Because it becomes disconnected from the vine. As long as God is in charge, as long as Jesus is running it, it's going to keep living. 
because he is divine. But what happens to man is man says, well, thank you, God, for giving us this. And they start praising the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this great movement and bringing thousands of people and tens of thousands. But we going to handle it now. You got other things to do. And when man takes from God what he has started and what he's given life to, then God, he'll, he'll give it to him. And that's what God does. Every movement, every revival, God, when man wants to take it, God give it to him. And then the revival starts to die. And the movement starts to die. And so... Every ministry that dies, it, it dies because it is no longer connected to the vine. Let this be a warning to you. In your going, because you are chosen, in your going, it is essential that you stay connected to the vine. It is essential that you stay connected to the life. It is. It is important, and we and this is why we've seen we've seen so many great leaders fall, you know, and you know some of y'all are like surprised by that because you ain't been in the church as long as me, because I mean preachers have been falling all my life. It's just that before it was in the internet, you know, it was only known in that church or in that city. Now people get busted, and it's all over Instagram. Facebook and all over the place. But this is nothing new. But what happens is when people become elevated in their giftings and they begin to take over what God is doing, God will give it to you. He, he, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to force anything. He's going to give it to you, but then it's going to start to die. And when it starts to die, it looks like that. Who likes tomatoes? Who likes tomatoes? But who would eat that? <laughs> Nobody's going to eat from that because it's dead. It's dead. So we are chosen to serve, but our service is always in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time, for this gathering, for your word. Settle it in our minds and in our hearts. Help us to make the right choices. Even as you have chose us, now help us to choose you daily. And help us to choose life, not death. And help us to stay connected to the vine. And we will continue to do the service that you've called us to. To serve you and minister to you and minister to your people and minister to those that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.